it's Joy Foster, founder of Tech Pixies. And today on the Tech Pixies podcast, I am flying solo. This is not something I usually do. I love to interview people. I love to get to know people and I love to hear their stories. And you get plenty of that on the Spark on Thrive podcast. But today I thought I would do something a little bit different, a little bit special, something that is dear to my heart. It also has required that I have to do a bit more preparation, uh, which has been an interesting exercise for me. So let's get down to it. this episode is going to be releasing uh, on or around Thanksgiving, uh, the American Thanksgiving in November of 2021. And I thought I would do an episode all around gratitude and abundance, uh, because one of the things that I am trying to teach my students uh, and my children uh, and my friends and family, it's not just my students and my children, but uh, is this concept that, that gratitude is the language of abundance. Now, where did I first hear this? I heard this from one of my mentors, uh, Mary Morrissey, who studies the spiritual laws of the universe. And she really understands that there are laws that are invisible to us um, out there in the universe. And one of them is the law of gratitude. And so I sort of heard it from her first, uh, from that perspective. And she recommended that I read a book uh, called The Science of Getting Rich. And there's a chapter in that book all about gratitude. So I've got the book here. Um, The chapter is chapter seven. Um, And I had already read another book about abundance, uh, which is um, Dollars Flow to Me Easily by Richard Dotz. So I've sort of combined um, a bit of the information that Mary has taught me with the books that I have read by Wallace Waddles and Richard Dotz and uh, sort of connected the dots um, between the two. And I thought it would be really good to do an episode about this. And I thought it'd be really good to do an episode about this around Thanksgiving time. Uh, It's interesting because as an American living in America, I always knew that Thanksgiving celebrated the first harvest, which was in 1612. I always knew that. Uh, And in America, when you're at school or when you're at church, you end up um, creating, you know, you end up coloring in these coloring sheets of pilgrims having meals with Native American Indians, um, which I've since found out are, are the Wampanoag. So the Wampanoag were the Native American Indians that celebrated the first harvest with the pilgrims who had come to America. And I have family history of um, pilgrims who came to America. So uh, if you, my maiden name for the, my my maiden name is Farrenkrog. So for those of you who only know me as Joy Foster, I was once Joy Farrenkrog. And uh, there are records of the Farrenkrogs coming over from Germany uh, during this period of time. Uh, on on various ships that came over and sailed. So you can look up the records of the people who who traveled over. And at one point when I was younger, I had looked up which boat my family came over on. Uh, and of course, there's not a lot of affair and crogs in America. So we're all somehow connected. We know because there's just not a lot of those names out there. Um, anyhow, I always knew uh, that, that Thanksgiving was the celebration of the first pilgrims harvest. And it's really interesting because as a child growing up, as a white child growing up in America, um, you do learn about the Native Americans and you do learn about the um, the wars, you know, the War of 1812. And you do you do know uh, that, you know, uh, the the pilgrims that then became the um, uh, the colonies uh, that we eradicated the Native and Native Indian American population. Um And it's really sad. It's a really sad thing. But interestingly enough, it took me leaving America to come to another country um, 
where people started asking me strange questions around Thanksgiving. I would say Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the year. And it still is. Thanksgiving is my personal favorite holiday of the year. The reason I love Thanksgiving is because there's no presence. It's about being present, right? It's about being together. The presence, the presence that you get on uh, Thanksgiving is the fact that you're actually with your family. You're, you're, present with your family. And so that was a real interesting thing for me to deal with because uh, when I moved over to Europe, and I've been living in Europe since 2008. So when I moved to Europe, uh, I would tell people this, that, you know, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. And, you know, and I would, it's been a real battle, you know, trying to, to do Thanksgiving every year, because in, in the UK, obviously, they don't celebrate it, but they obviously don't um, have a Thursday off, and then they don't have a long weekend. Uh, and it's quite a big meal to prepare around a work day, right? So it's been an interesting process for me. And I remember when um, uh, Megan married Harry, uh, and I sent her a, uh, you know, welcome to the UK uh, Thanksgiving card. And I just said, you know, I would love it if you could, you know, bring Thanksgiving to the royal household. Now, she never got my letter, I'm sure. But the point is, is that, you know, Americans love Thanksgiving. We absolutely love Thanksgiving. But there is a dark history connected uh, not to Thanksgiving itself, but to the Native American Indians who we celebrated the first Thanksgiving with. So I just want to acknowledge that, that um, that I love the tradition of Thanksgiving. I love the tradition of thanking God for what we've been given. And, and if we look back at the word Thanksgiving, um, that is really what it was about. It was, uh, and the pilgrims were on a regular basis giving thanks for things uh, that God had given them. So, you know, things like a military victory, and you know, or uh, ending a drought or the harvest. Um, and so, you know, what Thanksgiving means in and of its word in and of itself is giving thanks to God for the pilgrims, giving thanks to God for the blessings that they've received. So, uh, and as a Christian and as someone who, um, who believes in a higher power, that's also why Thanksgiving is very significant for me. As a child around the table, we used to go around and say what we were thankful for. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's different ways to be thankful. You know, you can be thankful for something that's conditional or you can be thankful in all times uh, or you can be thankful when something comes to you. And each one of those has a different level of uh, energy to it. So, you know, I'll be thankful um, when I've finished my exams uh, is different from uh, I'm thankful for the experience I'm having going through university. Uh, I'm thankful for the learning that I'm receiving as I'm studying for these exams. So understanding that there's different types, there's different energies that come with thankfulness is also really important. It's probably a bit more of an advanced lesson, but it was uh, something that I you know, I learned when I was learning from Mary is that there's different levels of Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, the lowest level, the lowest vibration, uh, the lowest level of energy connected to the Thanksgiving is, you know, I'll be thankful when this thing happens. You're not thankful now, but you'll be thankful when it happens. You know, I'll be thankful when my business is successful. I'll be thankful, you know, when my um, exams are finished, whatever. It's kind of contingent. It's Thanksgiving contingent on something else. And then there's the thankful for, right? And this is what we kind of say around the dinner table. I'm thankful for, you know, my husband. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my a roof over my head. I'm thankful for food, right? Things that you're thankful for. And, you know, we are often thankful for things. And that's a higher elevation for than, or it's a higher, higher vibration than being thankful when something happens that's conditional, but that you're actually thankful for something that you do have. 
And then there's thankful in all circumstances. And this is something that um, Paul talks about in the Bible, you know, when he talks about, you know, being content in all circumstances, that's gratitude, no matter what. And that's a different type of gratitude. That's a different type of, of I'm not in the place that I want to be, but I'm grateful for the place I'm in. That's what that is. And that's taken me a long time to get my head around and to understand. And, and if I'm being honest, um, that's been one of the biggest transitions I've made in the last year. And so I, you know, first of all, I want to acknowledge, you know, I love Thanksgiving uh, and I, and I love what it stands for. And I want to just say, I have sat in a place of gratitude for a long time of, I will be thankful when, or I am thankful for, but it has been a huge journey to, to go beyond thankful for and thankful when and go into, you know, this thankful at all times and looking for the things that I am grateful for in all circumstances, good and bad. And uh, one of the lessons that I learned from Mary was the pause button. And, uh, and I talked about this on our vision workshop, you know, hitting the pause button. And as you think about, uh, you know, a situation that you're in and you think about all the bad things associated with that situation, uh, she taught me to hit the pause button. And for three days, look for the good, look for everything you can be grateful for in that situation, uh, even if it's not a good situation. And at the end of those three days, give yourself permission to have your pity party if you really want to. And it's been interesting because I've, I've, I loved learning that lesson, hit the pause button and start looking for all the good things that are happening in your life um, while you're going through whatever you're going through. And and, and I've had to do that recently. Uh, I've had to hit the pause button and I've had to um, look for good things. And, and, and let me rephrase that word had to, I've chosen to. I've chosen to hit the pause button and I've chosen to reflect on a situation and try and find the good in that situation. And, and when you do look for the good in a situation, you will find new solutions. You know, Einstein said, you can't, uh, you can't solve a problem with the same mindset that you created the problem in the first place. So if you're constantly thinking about the problem and not trying to get beyond the problem, then you're not going to come up with the solution, right? And so when we are in a place where nothing looks good or feels good or is right, that is actually the best place to try and seek gratitude because you will find the answers in that place. So um, I, I thought I would just pull from these two books that I love um, and have spent a lot of time reading, The Science of Getting Rich and Dollars Flow to Me Easily, uh, as we define what gratitude is and what abundance is. And, uh, you know, personally, I would like to say uh, I am uh, I am very grateful to be an American. I'm very thankful to have Thanksgiving. I am very sad um, about what did happen to the Native American population uh, in the U.S. And I wish that that wasn't the case. You know, 200 years after the original um uh, you know, the original Thanksgiving where 90, uh, it was 90 Wampanoags and 53 pilgrims came together. 200 years after that, we had pretty much uh, eliminated the um, massively reduced the Native American population and taken their land uh, and their food and everything. So I am very aware of that now as an American who lives no longer in the U.S. fully, uh, where I live, I've been living out of the U.S. for a long time. Um, and it doesn't mean I don't love Thanksgiving and it doesn't mean that I don't love the celebration of it and the tradition of it. But it's also that I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware of what came after that. 
And a lot of Americans aren't aware of that. And so if there's an American listening to this that hasn't heard that side of the story or understands that side of the story, I hope that opened your eyes because um, it definitely opened mine. Living abroad opened my eyes to the fact that uh, the world views Americans differently than Americans view themselves, just like, uh, you know, the, the the world views France differently to the way that the French view the French, right? I remember coming back from France, living in France as an exchange student for a year, coming back to America thinking, France is the best country in the world, you know, and of course, there's a lot of patriotism in France. And so it's really interesting when you live in different countries, how open your mind gets to traditions and cultures and viewpoints that you just didn't have before. And these are all perspectives. They're all perspectives, but there's also facts. There's also facts. And my perspective on Thanksgiving is it's a wonderful, wonderful family tradition. Um, and there's the fact of the matter that there is no longer an indigenous population. So I'm just bringing those in there because I, I know we've got a, a British audience and, uh, and I know the British audience is much more aware and in tune to the aftermath of Thanksgiving than sometimes the Americans themselves are. And I wanted to address that. So let's go into really addressing the, the definition of gratitude and the definition of abundance. So I'm going to pull from the science of, of getting rich and this chapter on gratitude. And it says on uh, page 47, the version I have, um, it says, <clears throat> there is a law of gratitude and it is absolutely necessary that you should observe the law if you are to get the results that you seek. And then it goes on and it says, the grateful mind is constantly fixed upon the best. Therefore, it tends to become the best. It takes the form or character of the best and will receive the best. Also, faith is born of gratitude. The grateful mind continually expects good things and expectation becomes faith. The reaction of gratitude upon, one, upon one's own mind produces faith. And every outgoing wave of grateful thanksgiving increases faith. He or she who has no feeling of gratitude cannot long retain a living faith. And without a living faith, you cannot get rich by the creative method, as we shall see in the following chapters. So he talks about the creative method, which is different from the competitive method. Um, so it's this concept that everything we see on this earth is created twice, first in the mind, second in reality. So the sweatshirt that I'm wearing from Scamp and Dude, it was an idea Joe had when she created Scamp and dude. She had an idea for a sweatshirt that someone might love and wear. And then she went and she created it. So everything is done first in the mind and second in reality. And uh, and so that's what he's talking about. And he's talking about the creative process. Um, anyway, he says, it is necessary then to cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you and to give thanks continuously. And because all things have contributed to your advancement, you should also include all things in your gratitude. And earlier on in the chapter, he says the whole process of mental adjustment and atonement can be summed up in one word, gratitude. He says, first, you believe that there is one intelligent substance from which all things proceed. Second, you believe that this substance gives you everything you desire. And third, you relate, it, you relate yourself to it by a feeling of deep and profound gratitude. Many people who order their lives rightly in all other ways are kept in poverty by their lack of gratitude. Having received one gift from God, they cut the wires which connect them to him by failing to make acknowledgement. 
And I think this is this is so important. He then goes on to say, the more gratefully we fix our minds on the supreme, when good things come to us, the more good things we will receive and the more rapidly they will come. And the reason simply is that the mental attitude of gratitude draws the mind into closer touch with the source from which the blessings come. Now, this is not a sermon and this is not about me converting you to believing that there's a higher power. Uh, that's not my goal my at all here but what i will tell you is that the uh when the pilgrims were giving thanksgiving in the 1600s they were doing it to a higher power uh and i have personally in my experience always had that connection through prayer um even if i went away from it for certain periods and then come back to it that for me there is an understanding of a higher power and the more that i start to go into the transformational coaching world and understand how transformation really works it's sort of like saying you could try and do everything on your own but then What's the point in having a big dream if you could do it all on your own, right? If, if you don't need a higher power and, and, that, and tapping into that higher power. Um, and very often the answers we have are within ourselves because we are all connected. You know, Ubuntu, some of you know that the font at TechPixies is, is um, called Ubuntu. And uh, you know that I love Desmond Tutu and Desmond Tutu talks about Ubuntu being People are connected to people. You know, people are people because of other people. We are all connected. And you could think of it like this, you know, that there, that there were all different types of trees connected to one source. And you might call that source God. You might call that source uh, something else. Uh, you might call that source infinite intelligence or the universe. Um, but the point is, is that if we go through life thinking that we are on this earth by ourselves, we've missed the point. That's the point. Um, it's this concept that you don't breathe yourself. You don't make your heart beat. You, something makes your heart beat. Something makes you breathe every day. That's called life. And whether you call life God, whether you call life infinite intelligence, whether you call life the universe, whatever you want to call it, you have it and it was given to you and you didn't make it happen. Okay, so that's the point here. And I, and I do think the more transformational um, uh, coaching that I'm getting and the more transformational books that I'm reading, the more I understand that this is actually one of the laws, right? It's one of the, the underlying principles of, uh, of infinite intelligence and abundance is, is understanding that we are all connected and we are, we are all connected to a higher power than ourselves, which is what makes everything so special. And you only have to go into a room with other people and feel the energy of that room to understand that concept. I mean, at Tech Pixies, we hardly ever see each other in the same room at the same time. But the Facebook group or the Zoom calls, they have a certain amount of energy that people bring to that room and it's connecting them to each other. And uh, and that is super powerful. And, you know, in the Bible, it says where one or more or where two or more of you are gathered. So there am I. And, and it's that concept that once we come together uh, with other people, it's not just about us. It's about that invisible power, that invisible energy that connects all of us to each other. So that that's Wallace Waddle's definition of gratitude. And of course, you can take it or leave it. Um, I meditated on that chapter every day, along with three other chapters for a 67-day period as part of my brain priming exercise. So those of you who know uh, me know I'm a master certified master neuro coach. I'm also a certified 
uh, dream builder coach and all of the training that I've had uh, has been massively beneficial, not just to me, but to the tech pixies community where we, we create brain primes and we start to uh, create a vision for our future. And we start to tap into that every day and start to feel uh, and make decisions from the place uh, of, of gratitude and abundance that we want to be in, not from the place of lack that we are in. And it's when you start focusing on the abundance uh, and the, the gratitude you have for that abundance that you start moving in that direction. So let's define abundance by another author that I really enjoyed reading, uh, a book called Dollars Flow to Me Easily. Now, I remember seeing the title of this book thinking, oh my gosh, that's like, I don't want to read that book. It's a terrible title. But I think that said a lot about my relationship with money at the time that I read the book. Um, I, I have, you know, those of you who have followed me or know my, my, my money uh, journey, it's been a real interesting journey. Uh, I have not had up until um, the last couple of years, I did not have the relationship with money that I wanted to have. And I started to realize that if I wanted to have more success in my life, I had to get comfortable with um, sending invoices, with receiving invoices, you know, receiving payments. Um, I had to get comfortable with earning money, making money. It was something that I really struggled with up, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I really struggled with it. Um, but then I made a decision and decisions are really important. I made a decision that I was going to work on my money mindset. I was going to turn things around. I was going to move forward. So I made that decision at, at Christmas in 20, uh, I think it was Christmas 2019. We went to, it was before the lockdown. I'm, you know, with all the lockdowns, you get a little bit lost on time. But I, uh, I, we went to Scotland and I was in Scotland and I, uh, and I just remember just really being hard on myself, you know, that, that, you know, my business wasn't making the money that I wanted it to make, like that I wasn't personally getting the salary that I wanted to have, um, that, you know, uh, things weren't going financially very well, but also things weren't going very well in other parts of my life either. And I was really concentrated on that area, all the lack, you know, things weren't going well, and I was going to sit in that. And I remember being in Scotland and thinking, this has got to change. This has got to change. And so I read a book called The Inside Out Revolution, and I understood the power. And that was probably the start of my transformational journey. And I've taken many of the tech pixies along on that journey with me. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a couple of years, you're on that journey because I share a lot of these stories along the way. And I just remember saying, there's a different way to do life and I'm going to do it differently. And The Inside Out Revolution was one of those books that helped me to see that I had power of my mind, that um, that I could change my thoughts. And I could change by changing my thoughts, I could change my outcomes, right? And it all starts with the brain. You know, the very first universal law is the law of thinking. And there's a really good book, another good book um, called uh, Working with the Law. And I've talked about this a lot by Raymond Hollywell. Um, um, and he talks in chapter two about the law of thinking. And it's this concept that our thoughts, our thoughts create, you know, our emotions, our emotions create our actions, our actions create our results. And when in the neuro coaching model, we do the same thing. We talk about the situation creates thoughts and emotions. You repeat the thoughts and emotions over and over again. And that creates a belief system. Uh, you know, thoughts repeated, thoughts and emotions repeated over and over again, create your beliefs. You make decisions out of your beliefs and you decide to take action or not take action, you know, to send the invoice or not send the invoice and you'll get the results. You either get the invoice paid or you never send the invoice and you never get paid. Right. And those are the results. And the 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 decision to send the invoice or not send the invoice 
stems all the way back to what your thoughts and emotions are around sending an invoice in the first place. And I know this story well because I was the person who always really before I sent the I didn't send invoices. I would do the work and not send the invoices and not get paid for work that I deserved to get paid for because I was afraid to send an invoice to, for people to pay me for work that they owed me money for. So I know this story well. So if you're listening to this, uh, trust me, you can work beyond this. So the definition of abundance, according to um, Richard Dotz, uh, is, is a mental exercise. It's, it's less of a definition than it is a mental exercise. So I'm going to read this section of the book as well, because I think it's going to benefit you a lot. So he says uh, in uh, it's the chapter it's chapter two and it's called your field of goodness and it's on page 15. And of course, I have who knows what version I have of the book. But anyway, he says, just for now, I would like to invite you to connect with the essence of true abundance in your life. Initially, your ego mind may object. The most common objection or excuse it throws up is this is a silly exercise. Everything is just happening in the mind. It's not real. Uh, for those of you who have been giving into the ego mind or rather feeding it for a longer period, it may say, what's the use of doing all these mental exercises? Nothing in the real world is going to change. Your financial situation is certainly not going to change. Therein lies the mistaken belief of the ego mind. The ego mind does not know universal truth. It only knows lack and limitation. It only knows scarcity. It only knows what society and the individual self has programmed it to know over the years. This is brain priming, guys. Therefore, when the ego mind says these mental exercises are not real, it does not know better. It is not speaking the truth. All it is merely doing is regurgitating pieces of faulty programming, which it has been replaying for you over and over again. Remember, thoughts and emotions repeat over and over again create beliefs. The biggest irony is that what the ego mind feeds you is just as untrue or unreal. It is constantly offering you false thoughts that seem real based on your faulty understanding of the world. An acronym for fear is false emotions appearing real. That is why in the beginning you must push ahead regardless of your mind chatter, just gently letting go. Ignoring your mind chatter, you settle down and decide to connect with the essence of the true abundance within you. Close your eyes and just feel abundant. A very light intention is all you need here. Remember, when living these spiritual principles, all you need is a very light touch and the universe responds spontaneously and beautifully. Force plays no part in this. You do not have to force the universe to give you anything. You do not have to force the universe to respond. The need to use force comes when you believe you will not always get what you want and therefore have to try all ways and means to get it. This is again our faulty logic at work. All of the universe is always equally present at all times for you. There is no need to force energy to flow. It just is. You are immersed in the universal field whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, sorry. Trying to force your universal good is like standing in a beautiful field of marigolds and then forcing the flowers to come to you. That's absurd because the flowers are already here and in bloom all around you. You just need to open your eyes to see them. Similarly, all you need to do is open your inner eyes to recognize the inherent abundance that is already there. Right now, you are standing in a beautiful field of flowers. The flowers are there, but you cannot see them. 
Why is that so? We are so busy looking on the outside for certain people, circumstances, or methods, which we believe can help to achieve our goals that we hardly take the time to look inwards. When you turn inwards, you realize what you've been looking for all along. The feeling of abundance, which you so eagerly yearn for, has been waiting there for you all along to experience it. And what he talks about in this book is really getting you to shut your eyes and stand in a field of flowers. And when I do this exercise, I see mountains on the sides and I see this beautiful, huge, huge valley of flowers. We we did, we did were in Switzerland and we saw this one time and it's ingrained in my mind. It was the most amazing thing to see. Flowers absolutely everywhere. And this, you know, these big mountains on the sides. And that's what I see when I close my eyes and I think about flowers everywhere. And that's the point. The point in this book is that abundance is already there. It's already in your mind. You can experience abundance anytime you want. And starting to get yourself to feel what it feels like to be abundant uh, is one of the first steps in recognizing and being thankful for what you do have in your life that is abundant. And uh, one of the exercises that Mary Morrissey does every morning before she gets out of bed is before she puts her feet down on the ground is she gets into that place of abundance. She feels that abundance and she feels what it feels like to have an abundant life and looks always for the good things in life. You know, the grateful mind seeks out the best in everything. The grateful mind finds the best things, sees the grateful, you know, grateful mind expects great things. This is a, this is a principle, a spiritual principle. It's an invisible principle that rules our lives. So I'm going to close on a story uh, about my son and uh, trying to teach my son this concept because it's a little bit hard sometimes to teach it to a, uh, or should I say, up until now it's been hard uh, and I'm going to find easier ways to teach these principles to my children. But uh, last night when he was, um, he's been studying for an exam and I, we said to him if he did his studying that he could do a half an hour uh, of um, a new game that he has and that was his reward. So he had to do at that point, he had done 90 minutes of studying. He'd done a half an hour in the morning, and then he'd done a half an hour before football, and then he'd done another half an hour afterwards. So he'd gone above and beyond, and he'd done 90 minutes of studying, and we were really proud of him. And we said to him, okay, we'll give you 30 minutes to, to play a game that you would love. And he got on. He got the game out. He did it, you know, got it going, and then 30 minutes came, and we said, okay, buddy, it's time to go to bed. And he was like, oh, no, I just started. And he got really upset. And he was really, really upset that he had to stop. And it was interesting because he wasn't upset that he had to stop studying for the test. And yet, you know, he had done 30 minutes the last, you know, prior to going on online. And that was sort of long and painful. But then these 30 minutes doing something he loved was really short and sweet. Uh, and he was quite upset that we had to tell him that, you know, his time was up. And it was really interesting because we had to have a conversation with him that said, you know, I understand you're disappointed that we had to turn off the, the TV, but it is bedtime. And we did tell you we we're going to get half an hour in advance. You knew the timeframes. And we said, but actually, what if you had reacted differently? What if your reaction to having the TV shut off and the game turned off? What if that was a different reaction? And he sort of looked at me like, you know, it would tears streaming down his eyes. Like, what other reaction could I have had? You just took something away from me that I loved. And it was sort of this concept of what would it have been like if you had said to us at the end of that half an hour, wow, thank you so much for the 30 minutes. I am, I, I loved it. It was great. And I hope I get to do it again. You know, 
what do you think our reaction as parents would have been if you had, you know, instead of getting upset and getting mad at us for turning off the TV, you had said, thank you so much for letting me have the 30 minutes because we normally don't let him have screen time during the week. That was a rule pre-lockdown. There were no screens Monday to Friday. And he forgot about that because that's two years ago. So I sort of explained to him like, that was a special treat, buddy. So what if you had come from the end of that with a grateful mind rather than being frustrated and angry that we turned it off? And you could see the little like cogs going in his head and he was thinking about that and everything else. But and it, we'll see. I'll have to report back to you as to whether or not the next time we take away his screen, he has that same reaction. But I think the important thing here to understand is that think about your own life and think about the people that you serve and that you love and think about the way that they react to you and how that impacts you and how you want to serve them. Uh, another great story that I can bring out of the, the depths of my heart was um, the one of the very first times that my husband bought me flowers in our early, early stages of marriage. He got me these beautiful carnations and uh, he gave them to me. And uh, I did not respond well. I did not respond with gratitude. Uh, and it was something that plagued our relationship for a long time. And um, and it was really interesting because I then got into this place where I thought, well, if you love me, you would give me, you know, more expensive flowers or you would give me, you know, you would give me flowers on a regular basis. And, you know, but, you know, you and I, I had that kind of frustration that he wasn't buying me flowers. And when we finally did talk about it, he was like, hang on, I gave you flowers and you basically threw them back in my face. That did not incentivize me to give you flowers again. Right. And we, we had to get to an understanding of, wow, I did not come at that with a grateful heart. And, you know, I understand where you're coming from. And uh, and then I also expressed my feelings about, you know, how I went, how I felt about getting, you know, carnations versus maybe getting other kinds of flowers um, that I might love. And, you know, at the end of the day, what you realize is everyone has their own perception. Everyone has their own feelings. Right. But here's the deal. I can look at my own perception and my own failing in that situation. And I can say, here was someone who had gone to get me something, flowers, which I love. And he'd given me these flowers and I did not react with a grateful heart. I did not look at what I was given and be thankful and grateful for what I was given. I wanted something else and different. And I had a different view of what I wanted. And this is where the pause button is so important. I could have, if I had that skill then, which I didn't have, I could have hit the pause button and I could have said nothing. And I could have given myself three days to just look for the good. And the only things that could have come out of my mouth were the good things like, wow, I love these flowers. And, you know, they're so beautiful. And, you know, the funny thing about those flowers, they lasted for weeks. They, they were the longest lasting flowers I've ever had. Um, and there's probably a lesson in that, too. Because uh, upon reflection, you know, a lot of times people give you flowers and within a couple of days they died and you have to throw them away. Those flowers lasted every day. And if I had tied in the flowers to his love, I would have realized that that love was lasting every day. But of course, I didn't react that way. So one thing you can do when you're trying to figure out this exercise of thanksgiving and gratitude and abundance and understanding that the 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 you know the, the gratitude is the language of abundance you know gratitude is the language of the infinite when you understand this one thing you can do is start to notice what you're noticing start to pay attention to the way 
you are being grateful for the things being given to you. And likewise, pay attention to the way other people are treating you uh, and other people are, are receiving or not receiving things from you with a grateful heart. And then realize how that makes you feel contractionary or expansionary, right? And that will start to, once you start noticing what you're noticing, then you can start to repattern it. You can start to re rephrase it. You can start to rework it. And you can start to say, how would, if I was living, if every day I lived with an intention of being a grateful person, what things would I need to change? And you can reflect back on your day and you can say, what things could I have done better? And how could I have done them better? And then know that tomorrow is a fresh start. You have a, you know, every day we wake up, we've got a brand new day to start all over again. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we started that day with gratitude and abundance and Thanksgiving? So there's my fly solo message. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I certainly enjoyed preparing that for you. That um, it was great to put together some of the different things that I've loved learning uh, and share them with you from my perspective. Um, if you have uh, enjoyed this uh, podcast, I would love for you to share it with someone that you think will benefit from it. Uh, and otherwise, I hope you have a very abundant, blessed day.